What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Foul Life Podcast Midwest Series. I'm your host, Joel Clayfish, coming to you from the great state of Wisconsin in the middle of waterfowl madness. And boy, do we ever love to hunt waterfowl. Today, we're going to get into some absolutely intense conversations. We've got Dr. Rodney Van Beek. He's a medical doctor, but more than that, he's a buddy of mine, and he's a waterfowl hunter. And Dr. Van Beek, Rodney, we're going to call you Rodney for, for the podcast. Absolutely. I hope that's all right. Um, Rodney Van Beek uh, was not so long ago diagnosed with a terminal illness, and that happened before I met him, before I shared a field with him, before I got to know who he is as a person, one of the funniest guys I've ever met, one of the most dedicated waterfowlers in the state of Wisconsin, and he's got his daughter Jolie with us and she's hardcore too uh, we were out we met for the first time in the middle of a field I think it was what 10 10 degrees below zero yes it was <laughs> rounding up it was cold so Jolie thanks for coming along um, to hassle your dad with me today absolutely um, I'm gonna get right into it I mean Rodney I'm out in the field with you it's 10 degrees below zero and we're hunting together and you know we run around with a lot of waterfowl people, and a lot of them are in their 20s and 30s because they've got the energy to get out there, set up decoy spreads at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you and I are very similar in age, um, and we're out there giving it our all every day with those guys, and I think I, I kind of was drawn to you right away, thinking like, here's a dude who's kind of my age, and he's out here giving it his best, and on that hunt, um, we became fast friends like right off we hit it off the bat absolutely and you were sharing with me that you getting in a field and waterfowl hunting is probably not as easy as anyone else to get out there because you have a terminal illness tell me about waterfowl hunting your outlook on that illness and why you are out there pounding it as hard as you still are well, I love waterfowl hunting, always have, um, been waterfowl hunting for you know, 40 years now and, um, just love it. Um, got the kids raising the kids. They love it. So obviously, you know, family in the outdoors has always been my, my dream and desire. And that's been our, our blessing and benefit to have that. My wife's from Wisconsin and I came up here to do my residency with, you know, an intent of heading back home to Oklahoma or, you know, one of the prairie states for some great waterfowl hunting and uh, a practice. And, uh, you know, my wife sank that battleship and here I am. <laughs> thank goodness. So, you know, I was blessed to stay, um, in Wisconsin and unfortunately was diagnosed with stiff person syndrome, which is a degenerative neuromuscular disorder, um, which is progressive and ultimately fatal. Uh, but again, when, you know, it's a rare, rare disorder. Um, it worsens, worsens over time. So, you know, today is not going to be my best day because tomorrow is going to be worse. You know, you get some relief and there are treatments they do, chemotherapies, immune fusions, things like this that can help to lessen your symptoms. Um, but all in all, it's just a progressive disorder. You know, while we were out there, that was kind of the joke was is we'll let these guys run at 110 and we'll run it, you know, 60% because realistically that's our 100%. And you know, it was cold and cold is bad for me. So awful stiff 
and it it's, gets frustrating when you're out doing these things and and you can't do as much as the the other guys and you know the younger guys obviously can can do more and you know in that weather I can get in one of those blinds and I can cuddle up and and stay warm but you know like with you you know guys know that if I'm if I'm struggling I can always you know kind of wave the white flag and say look I gotta you know go get in a truck and warm up or I gotta go home and if that's the case you know we wait for the the flight to settle down and you know I I I get out of the field or somebody helps me get out of the field um but at this point it hasn't been such a an inconvenience as it is just a frustration for me it's just being limited nobody likes to be limited you know it's it's just what it is but it's you know you 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 do you deal with it I mean otherwise you know you, you you fret, you fuss, you complain, and you get nowhere with it. I mean, that's, that's no good for anybody. And let me try to describe to you guys what what I'm talking about when I look across the field or across the room at, at Rodney. I, I see, you know, a, a middle-aged dad, good-looking dude, fit, super fit. I'm never going to think in the field, you know, hey, this guy is somebody who's out here with a, a, a terminal illness, I'm never going to think that, but what he's battling on a daily basis to get out there um, is remarkable and admirable. And I have to be, I mean, stiff person syndrome is something very few people have ever heard of until Celine Dion announced that she was, uh, she was diagnosed with that. And mostly, you know, women uh, are diagnosed with it. It affects women more than men. And so you're in your life. You got three beautiful children. Um, your daughter, Jolie is a hardcore real hunter. Although I do have to say she's got a Louis Vuitton, Louis Vuitton gun. Guilty. (laughs) So, I mean, as serious as she is, she's out there literally with a Louis Vuitton shotgun that they got approval from Louis Vuitton to put the print on it. My daughters were very jealous about that, but by the way, (laughs) but you are someone who spends your life dedicated to the outdoor industry. You've got a deer farm, you know, you've got elk on that farm. Uh, you support hunting and fishing second amendment rights uh, across the state. I, I don't know that I'm the kind of person who a doctor could look at and say, I'm diagnosing you with a terminal illness that is going to, to eat at you for the next years of your life and still have the outlook you have and have the, uh, the emotion and enjoyment that you get out of hunting. What was that like for you? How did you have such a positive attitude and, and how did you continue to seek uh, what we all seek in the outdoors when a doctor looked at you and said, this, finally, we figured out what's going on with you. And this is something that's not only going to affect the rest of your life, but can very well substantially shorten the rest of your life. What was that like for you at that moment? And and for you to consider living your life with your children and and in the fields? Well, it's just like anybody. I I don't know if you've ever had a family member or friend, somebody say, you know, I didn't know what was going on, what was going on. And I almost felt relief when they told me I had cancer. So just getting a diagnosis saying, all right, here's actually what in the world's going on. Um, believe it or not, it's kind of like a, 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 a fresh starting line. It's like, Hey, at least I know what I'm dealing with now. So this is this disorder. It's associated with other medical things. So I have other things going on with it because it's affecting my immune system, um, and, and uh, other uh, troubles, but 
it's 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 life so you know you're not sure if you could deal with it you wake up every day right you wake up you got to deal with life i wake up i got to deal with life mine has some aches and pains and you know more doctor's visits sometimes i got to go in and get infusions etc but i mean it's still you know you either you wake up and you decide i mean man it's it's gonna be a good day today or i'm gonna you know pissing on and wine and complain what good is that where's that get you i mean i've not seen anybody well too many people complain and get anywhere with it you know it's I got three kids, I got a wife, I got a farm, you know, I had a great practice for 25 years. I mean, love my patients, I miss practice medicine terribly, but you know, I can't anymore. Um, but you know, it's every day, it's like depression. You know, depression is such a horrible and sad disorder that's so easily treated, but you lose so much to depression. I mean, every day a person is depressed, severely depressed, isn't treated, isn't seen a counselor and feels terrible is a day they've lost. I mean, it's just a, it's a, a, a lost day and I just refuse to lose. I'm competitive. You've seen that. <laughs> so You're very like, competitive. Um, yeah, I'm just not going to lose. This specific uh, illness has got to be really tough on you because you're competitive. You're very physical, uh, physically active guy. You're out there. How important and, and, you know, you don't know how much time you have left, but you plan to spend a ton of it in the goose fields of Wisconsin and a ton of it, it waterfowl hunting. Oh, yeah. How important to you is waterfowl hunting in light of your diagnosis and before? Has it changed? You, you're a lesson to people. Well, I, I think, you know, you got to take every moment, you know, at, at, at 100%. You know, don't live today for tomorrow. I mean, we're already planning right now, you know, Jolie's in ag sciences and whatnot. What are we going to plant? Where are we going to put the corn for the geese and fixing the edge of the pond so that, you know, the ducks can nest and we're, we're already planning all that stuff. I may not see that through. I may see 10 more of those. I mean, the probabilities are such, but I, I'm, I'm not going to fixate or poise on a limit until I, I'm severely limited. And, you know, it's, it's just quality of life. And for me, I'm just going to keep pushing. I've got great family support, but I mean, just being able to step out and to, you know, 400 acres of Wisconsin, I just go out my back door and, you know, I got elk bugling. Um, I can sit in my hot tub and geese and ducks are flying over elk are bugling, you know, bucks are, you know, scrapping or I, you know, here pretty soon we're going to have little fawns running around and calves chirping, you know, go for a walk, see a snapping turtle. I mean, some of the silly things that used to you just buzz on by that big snapping turtle you know now you stop and you look at him and think you know are you 50 are you 60 you know we got blandings turtles on our place that you know they're 70 80 years old Jeez, there's just yeah. incredible we got a bat roost in our barn that has anywhere from seven to ten thousand females it's just a maternity ward all female bats they come they have their babies raise them it's you know it's just spectacular it's just incredible and you know Sure, I have my bad days, and you know I got a great wife as a sounding board. Family's good too, but you know you only beat on them so much. The wife she gets the brunt of it, and you know she's strong, and and I appreciate her for that. But you know she's she's not afraid to you know call me on it. It's not like I have this poor me card for my disease. It's like you know you can only be a jerk so much before she you know she throws the the penalty flag. Has has this almost in some bizarre way giving you a new lease on things and a new way to look at things oh yeah i mean um i think that it's more important for me to try and encourage the kids to spend some time when maybe they would have like we went to, uh, to louisiana on a 
spec hunt for opening weekend of the spec season down there. And, you know, that's something that, oh, they had to take some school time off. And I normally wouldn't have encouraged to have been like, all right, we'll do that when it's, you know, a better time for you and you're not in class, let's say, and you don't have to skip some school. But, you know, I encouraged some of those trips. My other daughter, Rachel and I, we go to Texas every year on a turkey hunt. My buddy's a manager of a big deer ranch down there. And, you know, so taking those those trips and, and making time for those things, I think I, I probably do um, – more uh, i guess motivate for those if you will or try and um, schedule and encourage more activities with my family and friends um you know you don't want to be a burden that's the nice thing about waterfowl hunting you know as out there with you guys everybody can shoot the breeze you know if i'm yeah. stiff you know i get up and i can blame it on being old i gotta pee and you walk around and stretch and you know it just you, you make do and you know sit in there and shoot some geese but the therapy i mean the smiles, I mean, if everybody with stiff person syndrome felt the way I did goose hunting and, you know, yeah, the pile picks and end picks are fun, but I mean, just the random snapshots that she was taking with her cell phone, you were taking and then the guys get at the end of the day and you look and it's everybody just sitting there waiting for geese, smiles on their face, talking, having a no good time. Doubt. It's not like here's five, six people with frumpy little, you know, faces waiting on that. Oh, all right, we get to shoot some geese. It's all about the experience and the camaraderie and you know, I was always a big bow hunter. I've shot some pretty nice bucks, you know, and we've got a great farm for that. But, you know, we were talking about that on the way up here. If you could only pick one thing and it's going to be the best of it, the best of turkeys, best of this, you know, it's waterfowling by far for me. Oh, man. It's just, it's just me you know, too. Oklahoma wheat fields, potholes. I mean, we just, we really rattled them good when I was down there in college and, you know, medical school. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to hunt. My buddy had a ton of property right on I-35 between Norman and Oklahoma City and, I mean, that I-35 is a huge flyway in the central flyway. And I mean, the, the types of ducks, the numbers of ducks and geese, just unbelievable. I, I tell people all the time, for me, waterfowl hunting is literally getting to put life's problems on hold. For sure. When you're out there setting up a spread or you're calling or you turn that goose from the edge of the field back around toward you and it's coming and it's got its arms bowed, its arms, its wings bowed. There's no feeling like it, and it, it it's really more powerful than any medication that a doctor could prescribe. For sure. And when you're sitting there and you're looking to your left and your right and you're huddled under and you're yelling at your buddy to get his face in the blind, you know, because he's sticking out like a, a giant peach, you know, there is nothing more therapeutic no. in my mind. Jolie, this is your dad sitting right next to you here. And something tells me you guys have got like an incredibly close bond. Yeah. You are out in the field interacting as father and daughter like I've never seen before. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got daughters around your age, you know, a little younger than you. And I have real close relationship. But your dad in the field is one of the most entertaining, enjoyable people to hunt with that there is. Without a doubt. Tell me about kind of your history hunting with him and growing up with such a waterfall hunting dad and becoming a waterfall hunter yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I started turkey hunting as soon as I could. And that's what we've done every spring since what, fifth grade? Yeah. Since it was legal. And that's something I look forward to every year. When is, when is the spring rolling around for turkey season? So that's what I've always done. And I actually didn't start waterfall hunting until I was in college. And I saw a few photos of him in our basement with piles of birds and I was like can you tell me a little bit about this I see them migrating every year I learn about the migrations at school being in environmental science and 
I just, I knew it was something I needed to try. And once I found out that you could sit with a group and talk to them while you were hunting, I knew it was for me because it's hard for me to sit still and be quiet. <laughs> and we, we went out and we just had the most fun time. Even if we did, when we don't shoot a bird, we have so much fun sitting together. Just the two of us are in a big group, just finding ways to spend time together. And once I started really getting into it, he came forward with more stories. He came forward with the five gallon buckets full of bands from when he was my age. And it just, it just kind of <laughs> snowballed into, oh yeah, this has been a huge part of my life. And now he gets to share it with his daughters, which has been incredible. Just he's, he's great at it. And so I'm learning from someone in my mind that is the best at it. And I'm hoping that it's genetic and that I can learn more from him every day. <laughs> uh, yeah, it may be partly genetic. Now, I never had I never had a family member who got me out there <laughs> waterfowl hunting. But I can tell you that there is there is an art to it. And as much as the efficacy of actual spreads and calling matters, a lot of it is just pure dedication. Absolutely. It's getting out there. So here you are, um, you know, a young woman hunting with her dad, mm -hmm. um, not you know, something that is the pinnacle of joy to every dad, frankly. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think our kids know how important and what it means to us when our kids join us in the field or the blind. I don't think they have a clue. Right on. <laughs> that is the absolute quintessential best joy of my life when my daughter's out For there sure. with me. And um, I know, you know, Rodney, I know you feel that way. And to have somebody as dedicated as your daughter who's out there in 10 below zero, you know, we got our noses running and hats over our faces, uh, just trying to stay warm between sets of potential geese that are ignoring us. Yeah. Um, so what I, I can't, I, I'm so inspired by your dad's attitude about his illness. I'm so inspired by that because you've got people in this world who don't press the yes button. They don't click the yes button. This guy is clicking it every chance he gets. So, and you're out there with him side by side. Mm -hmm. So what on earth kind of locomotive stop happens when you realize he's diagnosed with a terminal illness? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. I know he always tries to put on a brave face for our whole family. So it's hard to sit your children down and tell them what you've been diagnosed with. So it's kind of like we were eased into what was happening. It wasn't like sit down and we're going to throw all this at you. Um, but like he said earlier, if you picked up on it, he said, you have a choice. And we were raised that way. My sister will tell you the same thing. Every morning he told us, you have a choice today. It can be a good day or it can be a bad day. If we woke up grumpy, you have a choice. If we woke up happy, you have a choice. So it's definitely mentality and he's always had the same mentality and i think that his his diagnosis has has shown us that he has believed this entire time that mentality is everything and that he wasn't just throwing a statement at us he truly believed it to his core and has carried that through to where he is now what's it like for you to be able to hunt with your dad as often as you do and to now waterfall hunt with him i absolutely love it i'm not gonna lie i will skip my classes my professors probably wonder where i am but if i get a chance <laughs> to go home and waterfall hunt with my dad i'm taking it i'll take a long weekend every weekend of the fall like any, any time <laughs> that i can it's it's a wild time and i absolutely love it and i feel like a lot of people don't get the opportunities to hunt with their parents for a multitude of reasons but when we get to get our gear, the night before a hunt, when we get our gear together, 
I know that neither of us are going to sleep very well because we're yeah, too excited, so excited for the next morning. So we get our, our gear together. We pack our blind bag filled with snacks because neither of us want to get hangry in the blind. And we just always know it's going to be a good time, whether there's one bird or a limit or no birds. It doesn't matter. We're going to have fun. And I'm sure you remember on our hunt, neither of us stopped talking. And right. we're there for entertainment, no matter what. So And I'm, man, you know, your dad and I text each other back and forth for an hours on end sometimes. <laughs> I believe and that. I'm, I'm the old, the LOL is like not fake. I'm literally yeah, laughing. I'm actually on the ground. you <laughs> right. R-O-A-F-L, right? Yep. Did I say Rolling that right? Rolling on the floor. Or Rolling on the floor R-O-T-F-L. laughing. R-O-F-T-F-L. R-O-T-F-L. That's too techno for yeah. me. Yeah. He's just going to say ha-ha. Yeah. And I hear that, and I don't think, and this is one of the, the most grand things about hunting uh, that I don't think a lot of people place an emphasis on, and we're losing hunters every day to the three by seven inch screen. We lose them mm-hmm. to their, their phones. We lose them to video games. We lose them to sitting on the couch. Um, you being out there with your dad, I mean, I can tell you, I could have the single best hunt of my life with numbers and bands and neck collars. It's not comparable to the hunt where we don't shoot a single thing and I'm out there with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can also, you know, I never, I didn't, I didn't have a dad take me ever. Um, you know, he wasn't really a hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I, I try to pass that along. And when I see you out there with your dad in the field and you guys are just literally buckled over laughing, um, do you, do you look at it differently since his diagnosis? I would say I value our time together and our laughter in the field the same. It just has a different meaning to me. Everyone knows that they won't always have moments with their parents no matter what. It's just different for my sister and I because we don't know how long we will have those moments. And I know if there's a day where I just I don't feel like hunting, which is rare. But if I wake up one morning, I'm like, oh, I just don't feel like going out in the field today. That's called a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. I'm, well, she does go to Madison. <laughs> yes, she, she does. does. Go to she Madison. Does. Both of them do. Um, but if if I see him with his blind bag in his hand and he's got a shotgun, I'm like, I'm wait for me. I'm getting dressed. It'll be two minutes. So it's just taking each moment as precious as it is and realizing that no matter what someone's outlook on life is, whether they think that you know, they're going to live forever or they have been diagnosed with a terminal illness, appreciating those moments. And I feel that I value them just as much, but it's like I said, in a, in a different way, just because they're, they're precious in a different way. Yeah. I'm going to give you (laughs) a a key term that I have used with my daughter. If Mm -hmm. she's got a turkey tag and I've got some uh, long beards patterned, or she's going to go sit in the goose blind with me, it is family enrichment day. Mm -hmm. And then that's, so if I'm calling in to school and I'm telling you, and, and parents out there, don't, I don't need you blowing me up on this, but <laughs> I'm going to tell you that more is gained educationally and spiritually yeah. and relationship wise by a day spent with a child and doesn't have to be your child out in the blind or in a boat or in the woods than it is in one day in school. Now, I'm a huge education fan. Don't get me wrong. But that family enrichment day, don't feel guilty about taking a kid out hunting or even 
an adult, you know, we talk about this all the time. The fastest growing group of new hunters is women. Are you seeing that, Jolie? Are you seeing that? By the way, Jolie's name is spelled just like mine, J-O-E-L-I-E. Yep. So I feel we have a connection with our names. No, automatically. When I shook your hand and introduced myself, you told me we had a connection. Yes, no <laughs> doubt about it. And are you seeing that with women in waterfowl? Are you seeing it grow? Yes, um, I do feel... The producers that, are saying get closer yeah, to the mic. I was like, For I, those of you out there was, wondering what the pause is about. I was not told about the hands. Like, oh <laughs> um, yeah, actually, so I was the only woman in any group that I ever hunted with until about two years into waterfalling. It was my sister. She came with on the last day of the Wisconsin season just to see what it was about. And... Uh, since then, I think I've hunted with one or two other women. So in our area, I have not hunted with a lot of women, but I see you know, on social media a lot of female waterfowl groups, which I think is great. They have social pages where you know, women can get support from other women waterfowlers, which I think is wonderful. And to be able to hunt with other women, I think is a really great opportunity for anybody. Yeah, that's not stopping you though. No, it's not. Absolutely not. I need to show these boys how it's done. Yeah. That's my mentality when I get out of the truck. There's no doubt about it. What, Rodney, what was it like at first, you know, you know, having daughters who you wanted to bring out into hunting? Because let's be honest, there's still the vast majority of people waterfall hunting are guys. Um, but man, it's changing. It used to be even when I started 15 years ago. It would be ultimately rare to have a, a woman in the field with us now. It's not rare at all. And half the times, it's half the people. Right. Well, I was born in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And um, some of my memories, uh, you know, just the earliest memories sitting in the car when, you know, my mom and dad were, you know, jumping ducks on ponds. And um, I've always had women in my life, uh, my aunts and stuff. And we would go to South Dakota pheasant hunt. I've always, always hunted with women. So to me, it was sort of just... A, expected normal you know my mom's side my dad's side everybody hunted and um you start hunting uh and you see less and less women um as you really get into hunting and you know oklahoma um you know guiding some for folks is you know a, an eye-opening experience that yeah there are less and less it's like all right i read an article there's more 75 year old hunters than there are 17 or 18 year old hunters and you know that's what scares me is i mean this is you know, conservation is, is what we need and we need to inter introduce them to the outdoors. And, you know, part of this whole waterfowling is it's a renewable resource. We take care of it. So it's not just in the blind, it's, you know, out improving nesting habitat on the farm and, you know, learning about how the migration patterns are changing and what the migration patterns are. So we can spend time in the field, even when it's not hunting season, um, or a hunting season, just enjoying the outdoors, but always incorporating that into a, a learning. And I think the more that you do that, the more you're going to bring in families. I mean, there's lots and lots of folks who come out to our farm because they want to see a baby deer or they want to see a baby elk. But then it's like, oh, well, here's this cool turtle. You know how old he is? He's yeah. 70 years old. And they're like, whoa. And then they're over here looking at this. Next thing you know, kids are chasing tadpoles and stuff. And it's like, all right, they're exhausted and they slept great. And you're getting the call back. You know, my kids haven't slept that good in forever. Well, yeah, because they haven't been outside. Right. right? A sandbox in your backyard isn't the outdoors. Well, it's not my kind of outdoors. But, right. you know, get them out there and, and get them playing. And, you know, I'm 
all about having your cell phone with you because there's some really groovy stuff you can get some pictures of, but it should be in your pocket and therefore taking those pictures or whatever. And, and you enjoy that time. And, you know, I think that more and more women in the field in that situation introduces more and more women to the hunting aspect of wildlife ecology and, and the outdoors. You know, I, I think waterfowl is the key. Big time. I think waterfowl hunting is the key to reinvigorating the masses. Big time. I mean, there is nothing better than taking a mallard duck breast and making fajitas from the field to the table. There's nothing better to me than taking waterfowl from the field to the table. It's a ready-to-go product. I mean, the only difference is it's not in the saran wrap in in the refrigerated section of the grocery store. I think waterfowl holds the key to getting new hunters interested because it's almost always a hunt where you're going to have some action. Birds fly. So they're going to fly over you at some point, usually, if you have gotten some good scouting in. I think it's kind of just the key to getting people interested and starting to reinvigorate this new group. And I think the right and the left are starting to come together on it. Because now the folks who philosophically have been opposed to hunting for so long are starting to say, we want to eat organic. Thank God the whole vegan you know, vegetarian bullshit is gone finally. And people are understanding the benefits of lean protein and protein. So now you've got philo- uh, philosophies on both sides saying we want to eat clean, organic meat. And the best way to do that is to go out in a, in a cornfield, shoot some geese, shoot some ducks and take them to the table. So I think we have a real chance right now to interest new people. For sure. And I think that the the start of all that is is the simplicity of it. I mean, yeah, you can get hardcore, and you and I, you know, have seen that. But you know, you can't take three or four people deer hunting who've never been and not have a, a challenge. Duck hunting and goose hunting, you got a blind. You can visit. You can talk. You can talk about things, explain things, and then when they birds come in, you know, if somebody gets busted, there's going to probably be some more. Right. You know, if I take a new hunter who is wanting to learn about hunting in the outdoors and I put him in a tree stand, him or her in a tree stand. And then I say, this is probably where the deer are going to come from. And I walk off and there they sit for umpteen hours. Their, their mind is going, all right, what? And now you're dependent on the experience they have. What if one of my neighbors strays over and then blah, 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 here comes the butt chewing or something. And you know, it's just too much left to the individuality of big game hunting or right. you know, so I, I think squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting and waterfowl hunting are the things to really get people going and rabbit hunting. I'd like someone with a little bit of experience before I take them out rabbit hunting. <laughs> Shoot, you know, running squirrel squirrel hunting ground. is a little bit easier, but duck hunting is, and then goose hunting is easier for me because it's a controlled environment working in, you know, the medical field and law enforcement. I like a little control safety, et cetera. And you can reinforce it. It's a group effort moms dads can come out for their first time see their kids see the expressionism on it see that they're not on their phone all the time and then see the excitement if they're successful not successful talking about it and that drive that well i'm going to get one next time or i'm going to get two next time or you know i'm going to get i had some birds just look at my exactly (laughs) and and the beauty i'm going to tell you this right now for those of you listening around the country and why you have to get to wisconsin you have to get to Wisconsin because we have more than 10,000 inland lakes. We've got the Mississippi River on one side and two great lakes bordering the rest of the state. And I'm going to tell you this. All it takes to 
ever get a chance to kill a really cool duck or a goose is to find a body of water on public land, throw 10 decoys in your backpack and maybe a spinner, throw your camouflage on and sit in a corner with those decoys out. Any one person can do it and you will see ducks or geese over the top of you regardless where you are. You're going to see them in the state of Wisconsin because this flyway is so intense and there are so many uh, birds that fly over our state and it's just easy. Now, you want to take that and multiply and be a force multiplier? Take somebody to do that who's afraid of that first step or may not have six decoys to put in a backpack. Because once I have never taken somebody out waterfowl hunting in my life or turkey hunting in my life, even those who have not gotten a turkey or not shot a duck the first time, I have never taken someone out that at the end of it didn't say I want to go again. Julie, are you seeing it? Are you seeing young women start to want to embrace it, want to come into it, want to be part of it? Yeah, absolutely. I saw that with my sister. So like I said earlier, she came out for the first time ever on the last day of the Wisconsin season. And I remember her saying, oh, so I have to wait until the fall until I can go out again. So she was excited. We got her permits as soon as we could the next year. And I think anyone that is exposed to it once is eager to go again. And I remember the first time I went, dad, I'm sure you can tell stories about this. I did not stop talking about it for a long time. I was so excited to get back in the field. So I think anyone women men no matter what are exposed once and eager to go again which is super exciting to me because i'm eager to take anyone that that wants to come with i know i have friends that either have never been hunting before or have only ever deer hunted and they see pictures that i show them from our waterfowl hunts and they all say that's something i would love to try so you know i'll, I'll get an extra blind come with please <laughs> i sat there for the first time in my life i went on a a deer hunt you know, a million years ago. And I went to a deer camp, you know, everybody's got deer camps. And I was sit out at the bottom of a tree with my blaze orange on and sat there for four hours in the freezing cold, didn't see a single thing, went in from that and said, hunting's not for me. And I never went back to it uh, for quite a while, for years after that. I said, that's boring. Uh, I'm left alone with my thoughts. I didn't see anything. And I froze my rear end off. And it's not like we don't have a pot of people ready to pick at to get them into the field. They are there, folks. Part of our duty as waterfowl hunters and conservators of, of Wisconsin, part of our duty is to grab people by the shirt collar and drag them out there to understand what that experience is like. And I'm sure, and knowing you, Rodney, you've probably had a couple shirt collars in your hand before. <laughs> yeah. And I'm telling you, the pot of people is there and it is up to us to drag them into the field to give them the time of their life. Well, one of the, yeah, as a family physician, one of the things that surprised me was the number of single moms who would approach me because everyone in my practice knew I was a hunter. Um, if I was gone for a week in July, I was gone hunting somewhere. You know, there was always the joke is he must be hunting. But the number of single moms who would approach me and I'd never thought to engage with someone about in especially my practice you know in fear of uh, of, of uh, offending say that vegan or that person who really just doesn't click with hunting that small it really is a small percent that are just so anti right but really is very like small 10, i i read i think in field and stream or something years ago is 10 percent are super you know against 10 percent are like diehard super hunters and there's this 80 percent out there just waiting to to, to get some information from either of us. And in my opinion, I think that the, uh, 
extreme anti-hunting groups go over with what they say. They don't educate correctly, and it's a lot of emotion and inappropriate emotion. They're propagandists. Right, and where, you know, if someone's taken out and taught conservation and, you know, you don't have to shoot, you know, if you've got five doe tags, you don't have to shoot five does if you don't have the freezer space for people to give them to. You know, again, it's a renewable resource, but understanding conservation and disease control, et cetera, I mean, these are the things that people learn as they go. I don't want to hear all that the first time I go and sit and deer hunt with a, a guy. I just want to know, where do I shoot it? I've done some practice. I'm ready to go. You do know, I have a chance to see exactly. one? I mean, uh, I have friends in the wildlife department. They've, you know, the mentor program, there's always kids at our farm shooting deer. And, you know, it's just a blast. And there's nothing more exciting and i i don't enjoy any more than kids hunting until ladies started hunting and then it's like <laughs> all right my wife um you know grew up here in wisconsin but not from a hunting family and it's like well when we started dating if you want to you know see me better start hunting so she went along and one one very on our farm i well until this year everybody's harvested a tom with more than one beard except for me i have never harvested one over 23 pounds and they've all been in the 27s 28s 29s and doubles and triple beards and i've never done that and cindy wanted a turkey hunt and it was her season and i already gotten my bird so i was being lazy and she's like you know wanted me to call for her. will you get up and i'm like no here's a little push call i'm tired you know i'd been i was years ago working as a doctor and she just said fine so out she went and you know week 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 she does her little call gives me a phone call um i shot a really nice time can you come carry him out for me well of course, I have to do my duty. Here's this great big double bearded you know, monster. Awesome. It's like, that's what I get. But that ought to teach, that teach you. But she got introduced to it, and she did that just to spend time with somebody, and then in turn fell in love with it, and now it goes by herself. Bows hunt, likes to bow hunt, et cetera. So I think the exposure is what we need, and to keep this sport at such a quality and such a love and such a standard of what I would call being an American – we we have to have women in in the outdoors and we need to promote them more from the standpoint of conservation and wildlife and environment and less you know diamond earrings and you know <laughs> the what 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 sells what you know everybody doesn't have to have the super duper you know buck grunter etc expensive camo they right. don't need, you don't need yeah. expensive camo and i think um some of the most fascinating hunts that I've ever had in my life have been taking out some of my wife's friends who'd never even think of hunting in their life. Mm -hmm. And they're out there and they're the first ones to be, I mean, I've had scenarios where they're leery uh, as to whether they can kill something. And by the end of it, when they cap that uh, turkey or shoot that first goose, I mean, they're as more enthused than the average Joe out there. And that's what I'm talking about when I say we have such an untapped potential of hunters. We are upside down right now. We're losing hunters in this country. We're losing a fundamental, uh, constitutionally guaranteed portion of society to TikTok, 
to modern social media when in reality life's experiences in three dimensions are right out your door and there is nowhere better to do it than the midwest no this entire country's got great things uh, for great hunts for different species and different types but if you live in and around the state of wisconsin michigan minnesota iowa you are in the hub of waterfowl country and there is someone who's willing to take you out and too often, and I say this about life's experiences, period, too often people are afraid to ask to take them out. It's our duty to ask to take those people out. And if you are one of those people who's out there wondering if it's for you, ask Jolie. Go up to Jolie <laughs> uh, after one of your classes and say, hey, man, I, I saw on Facebook a couple pictures of you holding some geese. What's that about? And then Jolie, I have no doubt that you you wrangle them in because if you're anything like your dad you've got the lasso out and they're going oh yeah absolutely you're not getting away i think that like you said earlier we have a duty and i think that waterfowl is like a gateway for hunting and i know a lot of people that's a great way to say it i'm really glad you said that (laughs) waterfowl is the gateway drug of hunting no doubt and i i know a lot of people that have approached me about hunting that in my mind we're not necessarily anti-hunters but we're definitely skeptical about the sport and they said agnostic they were yeah, like not, absolutely. not non-believers but not yeah. necessarily believers yep. and I got the the whole oh it's something that I would be willing to try but no one in my family hunts okay c- please come over uh, my family will show you how it's done and I know a lot of people that say I would be willing to try hunting but I don't know if I could kill something that's why I think waterfowl hunting is perfect you can put a blind out and for the first couple volleys just watch how it's done see if it's something that you would be willing to take a crack at when the next group comes over and try shooting at some birds. You don't, you don't have to go out there and, and shoot everything that you see, but you can watch how it's done and kind of ease your way into it. But if you, like my dad said, if you put someone in a deer stand, they're just, they're just there. They're just watching to see what happens. So I think that really makes waterfowl the gateway drug to hunting. (laughs) I think that's perfect. And I'm going to continue to use that. And I, I've never taken somebody out who was leery as to whether they could shoot at something at first who wasn't clawing for the, the shotgun later in yep. that day. You know <laughs> exactly. what I mean? And, and, and then let's be clear about the fact, just because you do muster up the guts to shoot at something certainly does not mean you're going to hit it, especially in waterfowl. And if you do, you have to gut it yourself. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, the, you know, and cleaning and cleaning birds is such an important thing to me and, and food, obviously by the looks of me, I'm a big fat guy from Wisconsin running around in the fields. And I'll tell you, if I didn't waterfall hunt, I'd weigh 310 pounds because I'm burning that energy out there, Absolutely. uh, scouting, but something that's so exciting to me is if you don't, if you take that step to drag that person out or get that person to even lay in a blind and watch, they can sit in Wisconsin's got a mentored hunting program. So they don't have to go through hunter safety. They can come along with you. And we have, a, there's a lower incidence rate of any injuries happening on mentored hunts than there is with regular licensed hunters. Right. So it's not a safety issue. We have proven that. And you take somebody out in the field with you and you know, I'm just looking at Rodney's nodding with me that person you're going to change their life absolutely that's not an understatement as long as they're mentored by someone who is passionate and honest with the outdoors if they go out with someone whose expectation is to shoot a deer or shoot you know a limit pick, <laughs> that then there's the challenges i always joke you know she jokes about the five gallon bucket of bands 
you know, I don't care about the bands. They're fun. They're cool. But if I if I could have one magic thing I could do in in the outdoors, it'd be taking kids waterfowl hunting, and they got a banded bird because that would sink of so. Of course. Many I mean, even even you know, adult men, new anybody new to it, because it's something that you remember the pictures we remember, the great food we remember, the times we spend with people, but it takes one band to just sit there and that person remembers that. And now that gambler and all of us, you know, yep. pull that slot because there might be one when I go. So, you know, if I don't go, I might not, you know, get that bird and one of those guys is gonna get a banded bird. That's what I would say as is kind of fun is that if, a, if I could make something happen on a hunt, it'd be, at least to try and improve the probability that those individuals would go back would be a band. Well, then I'm going to tell you about my idea. I've had this idea for a long time, and I'm not going to sleep until it comes to fruition. I think we should allow private-public partnerships with the state of Wisconsin and private companies to be able to band birds, band a ton of birds. So you have a company out there like Banded uh, Gear, and they sponsor birds and they band them with a banded gear and if you get a band from banded you get 40 percent off uh, of a shirt or a vest or a hat or something and band a ton of birds because really at the end of the day everybody loves to have a band on their lanyard it makes for an exciting hunt it makes for a memorable hunt why not expand the bird banding programs that we have and allow for public-private partnerships that are not only going to be revenue creators uh, for the state for conservation, they're going to be great ways to advertise for the companies that are involved in waterfowl. We have such an incredible opportunity right now, and it drives me absolutely bonkers that government tries to get in the way all the time. We need to continue to reduce regulations on hunting to allow people to get into a field who aren't scared to death that they're going to do something wrong and not even know what they're doing wrong. We need to create more ways to have memorable hunts because I, I'm going to tell you something. That hunt we had in the freezing cold, I froze my rear end off and we went, you know, we went to the the, the Domino's pizza just to make sure our feet weren't falling off in the middle of the day (laughs) to try to warm up a little bit. And that was one of the most memorable hunts I've ever had in the waterfowl uh, uh, field. We had a blast. We're laughing the whole time. I'm inspired. We've got a young woman out there who's a college student with her Louis Vuitton gun and we're having the time of our lives out there. And then I couldn't tell you. Right now, I can't tell you on my most memorable hunts if there was a limit of pile pick, a limit, how many birds were shot. Yes, it's awesome to have food to go home with at the end of the day. But I think one of the problems, if I can be critical of waterfowlers, is that they end up so focused on the pile pick, they miss the joy of the hunt sometimes. And that's that's one of the things... I'd say the Midwest has such an advantage over the, compared to the South. We've got family, friends in Louisiana, love it, go down there all the time. Sportsman's paradise, but it's the sportsman that has a bunch of land or belongs to a hunt club or can pay daily. The vast majority of people in Louisiana, you know, can't just go out and knock on a door. And there's very little public land. Up here in the Midwest, Wisconsin, Minnesota, public land, public land, public land. You know, the private land hunts tend to be the ones that pay off better as far as you know number of birds let's say but you can still go out and have a great day and shoot a couple of mallards on public water i mean i know i take kid uh, gibbs lake whatever something around by me and you know creeks rivers things that are open you can you can have a blast you can knock on a door that's another thing about ladies i tell you what you want to get permission 
I knock on a door, I get the, well, I would, but I've already got a guy hunting. These ladies knock on the door, and if it's the farmer's wife, they're in. I mean, very rarely does somebody turn away a lady from hunting. And I think it's one, they're so shocked. It's like, well, how the heck do you tell a girl no? And two, they're intrigued, because if you get permission through a lady, they will come out. Now, how many guys that let you hunt come out and see how you did at the end of the hunt? Farmers, they're busy, they're doing their stuff, they don't care, just pick up your stuff, don't leave a bunch of mess out there, and they'll let you keep coming back. If you got the ladies knocking to get permission, you're incorporating the farmer nine times out of 10. They're gonna put along right at evening as you're packing up and come down, how'd y'all do? Because they wanna see, do these ladies really do it? And when they see those girls standing there with their geese or their ducks getting their pictures, you know, you can see another person coming to the waterfowl side saying, yeah, this is good, you know. So they rutted up my field thing. a little bit last year. I won't be mad at them. <laughs> I think I think human nature is literally yearning for 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 equality in this absolutely, area. Absolutely. We're, we're yearning for it. We want to see uh, women. We like to see women growing in the outdoors. I we certainly do. We want to see it. <laughs> I, I think we are slowly shedding the stigma of it. Uh, to where, you know, I had, I, I had a talk two days ago. I met Eva Shockey and I got to talk to her for a while and she's incredibly uh, high integrity in the hunting industry of her own accord. And she's got her own businesses. And it's just, in, if people would stop with all the politically correct BS of trying to make uneven equality and just focused on having everybody have the same chances and opportunities, I think we'd continue to make leaps and bounds of progress in this area. You've got to be seeing, Joel, you're nodding. You've got to be seeing that. Yeah, absolutely. Equal equality for sure. And I know something that, it doesn't frustrate me, but something that I definitely notice is how I'm treated around a group of men in the field. I don't want to be told like, oh, don't worry about those decoys. You know, I can, I can carry a dozen. It's easier for me to just get them on instead of you grabbing five. No, I'm, I'm going to do it for myself. I'm going to be out here putting in the work too. I don't, I don't want to be treated like a princess in a hunt. I want to put in the work and not only prove to everyone else that I can do it, but prove to myself that I can do everything that anybody else can that's on the hunt. None of the women I ever hunt with ever expect to have something done with them, I ever. Do, I do not want to be handed that. I want to put in the work. <laughs> and in fact, sometimes those women's are the ones putting a boot to the guys who are laying on yeah. the ground oh, and not carrying you can bet that I'm going to tell someone they're not pulling their weight. If, if they're sitting around, I'm going to tell them. My little prima donna buddies. <laughs> you'll, have a, you'll have a steel toe in your butt if you're sitting around. <laughs> you hunt with steel toes? No. No. Oh, metaphorically speaking, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. I... Sitting down and, and being able to have this talk with you guys is just, it's fantastic to me. I, I don't want, I'm not exaggerating this, Roddy. I mean, you are, you're in essence kind of a, a hero figure. I know you're probably a hero to your daughter, uh, but the fact that you are dealing literally every day, and, and we had to reschedule the podcast a couple times I because apologize. you had... You had some stuff going on um, with uh, a stiff person syndrome that you're dealing with. You are an inspiration to people to live their best life no matter the outcome of your life. Please do. I mean, you only get one run and you know I'm not going to live as long as I probably could have, should have, whatever we expect. 
but I'm, you know, sure going to have a good run. I've had a great life and, you know, I love it. Love the outdoors, love the family. Um, you know, I'll binge some stuff on Netflix and cruddy weather when there's nothing to hunt, but you know, for the most part, I'm outside when I can. And this limits it some, you know, nothing like uh, calling your buddies and saying, Hey, I can't come hunt. You know, I never would have expected that, but you know, I even did that on you once. Thank goodness there were other guys. Cause like, yeah, you know, I just couldn't move. And, you know, I'm not a guy to take a bunch of pain pills and they do have some injections and other things, but you know, there's just band-aiding days. And some days, those days are, are just too tough. And, um, I'm honest with myself, friends and family. And again, that's, you know, I have a, you know, I was on the Rock County SWAT team as a active member, you know, between military law enforcement medicine and the, you know, the outdoors, I can tell you that, you know, the, the brotherhood or camaraderie comes strongest from, you know, the, the, the law enforcement and the hunting community. I mean, is there something we can do? You know, if you let a guy hunt, they're always wanting to do something. It's like, dude, just bring your kid out and shoot some deer. Would you please, you know, I love to see it. And they're always, you know, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? It's uh it's always been a turnaround or turn cheek kind of thing. I know when we were little, if we hunted somewhere, we always had to do work for them. So my dad took us hunting, you know, even when we didn't carry a gun, you walked all over the marshes chasing pheasants mm-hmm. with him. And, you know, we always did work for him at the end of the day and offered, you know, some of the pheasants or venison or whatever. And it's just, it's an extension of your family. And I think you surround yourself with those people that you want to be around because you can. And I don't know that there's much in life that you can do that except outdoors. You know, I, I, I'm a, a physician. I couldn't surround myself with only people that I wanted to be around. Sometimes you have to be around, say, a physician you don't really care for or administrator you don't care for. In the outdoors, man, it's, you know what, if I, I've, I've not ever hunted with somebody that I didn't care for. I can say that honestly and truthfully. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's my escape. So why would I escape to somewhere where, you know, I'm not happy. Everyone else is doing the same thing. They're coming out for fun and enjoy themselves. And for me, you know, it, it's, it's enjoyable. It's every day. And for me to live my life is, it's just life. Yeah, I've got this, but you know, I go to treatment and how am I supposed to feel sorry for myself? You look over here, there's a little nine-year-old getting chemotherapy and she doesn't have any hair and, you know, she's limited on her life extremely and she's got a smile on her face now who in the world can have a poor me moment at that time and i was going to say that about you you never look at you don't you are an inspiration you there are people who have no prognosis of anything bad in their lives and they don't have the attitude that you have you talk about the future you aren't saying I'm limited or if I get to do this or if I live long enough to do this, you're living, you're living your future right now. And and that is the tough attitude and what is such a great lesson for everybody and your life, your future includes great hunts in waterfowl. And you, you have no idea how those will be affected in the future. And that's what I find so inspirational because I'm, I'm a sorry sap. Sometimes I am. I'm a sorry sap and I'll be moping and complaining about the stupidest thing. And here you are literally in a battle for your life, knowing you're going to be out in that field still. Oh yeah. Well, you you might have to drag me out or pull me in the sled, but I'm going to get there. I'll (laughs) I'll put you to work. It's just, I mean, grandkids one day, maybe, you know, sure. You bet. Um, Was hoping to be one of those docs that, you know, went part-time when he's 70 and filled in and helped out till he's a hundred. But 
you know, I can't work anymore based on how it limits you um, and the, the chemo treatments and some of the other treatments. So, you know, I'm not allowed to practice medicine. Sure. It wasn't a voluntary thing, but an unfortunate thing. Still love it, still stay up to date on it. Um, but one of those curves. So I took the curveball, um, you know, pissed and moaned a little bit. You know, don't think that I don't have my moments. You know, I can Everybody get, does. I can get mine to wear it or not. But you got a pretty good sidekick <laughs> there, too. And yeah, I got a great me, crew. Jolie is a pretty uh, inspirational, too, uh, when it comes to, you know, making sure that you're going to be out there in the field oh, yeah. as much oh, as yeah. you can. And, and Jolie, I'm, I'm inspired by how strong of a person you are, to be Thank honest. You. I, I cherish the time with my daughter and, and you guys, it's, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but you don't hunt, you don't live with this hanging over your head. It doesn't hang over your head. No. And I think that I can put all the credit to that, to his mentality. It really is his, you have a choice. I want to live every day to the fullest. You know, I, I do hear him say, sometimes I really miss practicing. I miss, I miss my patients. I miss, I miss doctoring. That's what he always says, but he realizes that that's not in his playing cards right now. So he, he takes it as it is and he gets out in the field or he's on the water or looking for birds. And he just, he takes the moment that he has and does what he can with it. And that's what inspires me. So I don't, if I have nothing to do, I'm not, I'm not going to sit inside on my phone. Like you talked about earlier, that consumes so many people's attention, but Today I was I was outside on our ranch just doing what I could outside. You know, it's it's almost time to go shed hunting, so I was doing what I can to find trails. So, just taking every moment that you can, and spending it outside and spending it with people that you love. Man, that's Jolie Van Beek and her dad, uh, doctor, medical doctor Rodney Van Beek, and I am thrilled to know you guys and I'm thrilled to look forward to this fall to get in the blind and get in the field with you guys and waterfall hunt. You uh, are an inspiration, Rodney. And what a fantastic conversation we had. You've been listening to the Fall Life Podcast Midwest series. I'm your host, Joel Clayfish. We'll see you next time. Yeah.